Well, I checked this morning and the tomb is empty. Amen? Amen? <laughs> you should have in your hand communion elements. And I want to lead you in communion right now. If you do not have them, raise your hand. Ushers, please, please be looking out, ushers, and get them to anyone who doesn't have them. We want to honor. You, I'm going to say it in the sermon again, but I'm going to say it now. You cannot decouple the resurrection from the crucifixion. They're, they go together. So we want to celebrate the communion that Christ said that next time he partakes of this, it will be in his kingdom. And that's what the resurrection releases for us, the knowledge that Christ will create a new heaven and a new earth. So let us you turn that cup over so the, the bread, the element of Christ's body is on top and fill that open. We're going to pray over the body of the Lord. Right now, Father... We thank you for your body that was broken for us. Our sins were placed on your body. Mysteriously, mystically, we don't know how, but we know that our sins were placed on your body. And we also know that because of the wounds of that body, by his wounds, we are healed. Father, we thank you for your body. We honor it. We are humbled by it. And we lift it up. In Jesus' name, and we receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake. Now turn it over, and we want to celebrate the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your blood. Your blood that is the, the, the connection of covenant. Your blood that relates us to the, to the Heavenly Father and makes us sons and daughters of the Father and makes us brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, the first fruits of those who slept. We celebrate the blood of Jesus that connects us with eternity and that constantly is awaiting and available to forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. And we receive it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. The resurrection story. Today, I want to talk about a story to live in. The resurrection isn't just an event to celebrate. <clears throat> it's a story that you are meant to inhabit. Ever catch yourself living in the wrong story? <clears throat> Maybe you believe somebody was a jerk. Not a nice person, but you got to know them. You found out you were wrong. Maybe you thought your life was really hard and you thought life was so difficult for you until you met someone or you saw someone on a video that had life so much worse than you. You traveled to a third world country. You visited a nursing home. You visited a burn unit in the hospital. And you found out that your car that doesn't start once in a while wasn't such a major problem. <laughs> Maybe you thought somebody was unreasonable too. You found out what they were going through, what they were experiencing in life. You found out the problems they had. Or, or you ever heard of anyone who thought they were poor when they were actually rich? We all would like to learn that, about that story, right? I, I read a story this week of a of 14-year-old boy who got injured playing soccer 
and it was, uh, it happened before, I guess, everyone had health insurance like we do now. And they went to his coach, and uh, his coach said, well, you have your parents take you to the doctor, and he went to ask his parents. He came back and said, they, they can't take me to the doctor. They don't have the money. And the coach got really angry. And he said, uh, do you know how much money your parents make? The coach knew that his dad was a CEO of a major company and had millions of dollars. But this kid was living in a story of poverty in a home that was wealthy. Well, today we come into this house to celebrate the story that Christ is risen, that your sins are forgiven. The story that your eternal life has been purchased and the story that you have meaning and purpose because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've come into this house to celebrate the story that our faith, our hope, our love is built on the story. It's the story that Apostle Paul referred to as of first importance. He said, for what I passed on to you as of first importance... That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The transformation of Paul is, is an amazing idea of what it means to live in the wrong story. And then be transferred to the right story. As many of you know, Apostle Paul was called Saul. When we first meet him in the scripture. And he was a persecutor of Christians. His goal in life was to get rid of Christians. His goal in life was to bring everyone under the authority of the Moses law of Moses. And his goal in life was to rid the world of anyone who would speak of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and claim that Christ was the Messiah. Because he believed his story was that Christianity was destroying the Jewish nation, the Jewish tradition, the Jewish religion, that Christianity was actually destroying the hope because it was offering a false hope. And of course, the story goes, he's on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians, and a bright light shines from heaven. He falls from his transportation, and laying on the ground, he looks up, and a bright light is shining in his eyes, and he said, Who is it, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And Paul, from that moment on, he began to live in a different story. And one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, examples of Paul's different story was his relationship with the Corinthians. The Corinthians were, were dismissive, of, dismissive, dismissive of Paul in they even said things like they, they wrote to one another and said, this Paul guy that keeps coming and you know, trying to love us and preach to us and lead us, said, his, um, his body, bodily presence is weak, poor stage presence, and, um, and his speech is contemptible. I mean, that's worse than just saying, well, Pastor Phil's not such a good preacher. That's like his, his preaching is actually repulsive. And Paul wrote his longest letters to the Corinthians. He visited them the most. He loved them the most. Now that's not the, that's not the old Paul, is it? 
That's not the one who was living in that other story. That's the one who's living in the story of the sacrificial death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the one who had his story changed to believe that people could change. To believe that people, through, through love and compassion and, 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 and perseverance and endurance, that people could change. I'm telling you, if you start living in the story of the res- crucifixion and the resurrection, you start living in the story of the incarnation and the resurrection of Jesus, it will change your story. And, I, and th- this is not mere psychological self-talk, by the way. There's a lot to be said for good psychological self-talk. Some of you could use a little of that. <laughs> Viktor Frankl controlled the narrative in his mind there in that Nazi concentration camp. And you, you, you should read Man's Search for Meaning. It's one of the greatest books ever written. But it doesn't have the cross in it, and it doesn't have the resurrection in it. I remember one day, uh, talk about self-talk, you know, I remember one day I, I had made a, a very bad financial decision and I was confessing and complaining to my brother as we were driving along the highway. And he goes, Phil, think about it this way. People spend tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars on an education. Why don't you consider the money you lost as the cost of your education? It totally changed my view. I mean, instantly, I wasn't depressed. I thought, I have a degree in financial failure. (laughs) Some of you are my age. You remember who Stuart Smalley was. Saturday Night Live. Remember? He would stand in front of the mirror and say, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. Self-talk is good. Now, that's a better story. It may not even be true, but it's still a better, better story to live in than everybody hates me. But without, let, let, hear, me, hear me today, without the resurrection of Christ, all positive affirmations are baseless. If you are not eternally saved with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, every self affirmation, every positive affirmation, all positive self-talk is just air. It's just sand. It's just shifting sand unless it's been firmly established, unless your value has been firmly established by an event that happened 2,000 years ago. Therefore, we've been buried with Christ, with him, through baptism into death, that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with the likeness, with the likeness of his death, Romans 6, 5, we will certainly, we sh- it is, it, 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 likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Then Ephesians 2, 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we're dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him. Well, that's a different story to live in. The story that I've been raised up with him and sealed and seated with him, rather, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 4, and 6. Let me give you three things that you're, about your story that will change if you live in the story of the resurrection. 
The resurrection story, number one, calls us to live in our unmatched significance and immeasurable worth. Like I said earlier, it's a huge error to decouple the crucifixion from the resurrection and vice versa. Max Licato said, the cross is the ultimate expression of God's love for us. It is a sign that we are valuable, cherished, and worth dying for. See, I hope I can make this real in the next couple of minutes. And I hope I can drive this point home. And I hope I can say it well enough that you, that you feel it. And not only understand it, but you feel it. That the Christ rising from the dead takes your value and your worth to a whole other level. Now, now no matter how much worth you feel, and some of, you, some of you feel quite a lot. I can, you know, I talk to you. I find you feel quite a lot of value. But let me tell you, let me tell you something. We're always trying to humble people as Christians. We're always trying to lower people's esteem. I'm going to tell you that no matter how much worth you feel, you don't feel enough. I don't care how valuable you feel. You don't feel valuable. See, sometimes... You see, we have Statue of Liberty Christianity. Bring me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses learning, yearning to breathe free. I'm thankful for that message. But the cross of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus is not just for the huddled masses yearning to breathe free. It's for people who are at the top of their field, the top of their life. No matter how great they are, they're not feeling great enough until they understand that the greatest that ever lived and the greatest that ever will be died on the cross and rose again for them. Now, you, now I'm sure if you're, you're already ahead of me, you're saying, oh, yeah, but, but people have committed suicide and stuff like that because of... They believed in a cause and they loved. The kamikaze pilots of World War II who flew their planes into the side of American ships, those, uh, those pilots were steeped in Shintoism. And Shintoism uh, believed that by giving your life for the nation, you were, you were uh, showing love to your ancestors. You were showing love to your ancestors by giving your life uh, in a suicide mission. Um, but that really doesn't compare with being loved by the incomparable Christ. The resurrection of Jesus proves that you have been most highly valued by the best there ever was. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead and predicted he would rise from the dead. He did not go to the cross for one second thinking that he was going to be dead eternally. He did not go to the cross one second thinking that his life was going to be extinguished. He did not, he did not, that was, that never entered his mind. And so Jesus, the best there ever was, the goat of, 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 of the world, the best there ever was, the one who could conquer death, the one who looked at the world 
and, 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 and thought to himself, I own the world. I can have the world. I can, I can create a new race of people. I, the one who looked at the world and said, I want those people that are in the world. I want the world, but I want the people that are in the world. I want them to be preserved. I want them to be saved. So the best there ever was, the one that was all-powerful. It, 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 it's like, you know, we all know here in New England who the GOAT is in sports. If you don't know, then you need to come to membership class or something. I don't know. But we all know who the GOAT is in New England, right? It's like, it's like Tom Brady saying, I want to play on your team, and I'll play for nothing to get to play on your team. It's like the best saying, I want to partner with you. There's no room for low self-esteem among God's people. Amen? I, I want to just give you some scriptures to show you the confidence of Jesus. I mean, Back, in my, back as a kid in Texas, we used to watch WWF wrestling, all right? But when we thought it was real. And, uh, you know, we enjoyed the bravado, bravado of this guy. I'm going to crush, uh, you know. Uh, you know, one time, there used to be a wrestler named Dusty Rhodes. I don't know if you remember Dusty Rhodes. Anybody remember Dusty Rhodes? And they tell the story, a preacher was up preaching one day, and he said, Jesus walked on dusty roads. <laughs> and a kid in the congregation goes, nobody walks on dusty roads. <laughs> well, well, you know, we think of Jesus as a lowly Nazarene, right? You really think of him as a lowly Nazarene, always kind of, you know, not making eye contact with people. He was so humble, you know. That's not really what I see in Scripture. I see Jesus like a WWF wrestler who's saying, I'm going to crush Killer Kowalski Friday night, right? <laughs> Listen, I, would, I just love this. I just love these verses. Jesus goes in John 2:19, destroy this temple, and I will raise it in three days. There's no, no like self-debasement in that. Then he goes in Matthew 20, 18, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over the chief priests and teachers of law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Acts chapter 2, verse 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. <laughs> Man, Man, this is something. When you think about the dearest, the best, the most powerful, said, I want to do this for them. I want to do this for a bunch of knuckleheads who don't even know how to come in out of the ring. And this finally, Ephesians 2, 4, 5, because of his great love for us, God in his rich mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. So, so first of all, I want to make that point today that your value, your value was not established by your parents. It wasn't established by how much money. It wasn't established by your, your college degrees. All that's good. All that's fine. Uh, find all the value you can. Be excellent at what you do by all means. But it doesn't compare 
with the value that's already been set for you from the starting line of your life. Hallelujah. Secondly, the resurrection story calls us to live in unmerited favor and forgiveness. The cross, I say, signifies that God wanted to redeem us and forgive us of our sins. The resurrection proves He did it. I love this story. I think the greatest story besides the story of Jesus to illustrate this point is the story of Joseph, whose brothers were so dismissive of him, mocked his dream. And I I, I realize some of you may not know the story, but let me just encourage you this week, go over to Genesis 44 and 45 and read the story of Joseph. But he was... was, um, He was sold into slavery by his brothers because of their jealousy of him. And he spent, um, uh, we don't know exactly how many, but probably 20 years in an Egyptian prison after being falsely accused. He's, He's the prototype, he's the archetype of Jesus himself as he languished in the bowels of a prison and by, through a revelation that he had that allowed him to interpret the, 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 the Pharaoh's dream, King Pharaoh's dream. He was elevated out of prison to the highest position in the land other than Pharaoh. He was elevated as a prime minister. So he went from, from persecution to prison to prime minister. And that's a beautiful picture of Jesus. And there's still the matter of those brothers, though, <laughs> God had to bring those brothers. God had to bring humanity into connection with the Savior, Joseph. And so he sent a famine. And the famine forced his brothers, who were living far away in the land of Palestine, he forced them to travel to Egypt, where they heard there was food, because Joseph had formulated the plan for feeding the bread of life the, the, the source of the bread of life was feeding the nation of Egypt, and they heard there was food in Egypt. You know, it's kind of like some of you. You, 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 you come to church because you heard there might be something good here. You heard there might uh, be uh, 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 people that would love you, or you heard, that, you heard that you might hear something that would inspire you and instruct you, or you, you heard that you might hear some good music or something like that, or, or you heard there might be a program for your kids but you know what's cool? With all that, I hope all that's true. But what's really cool is what's waiting on you here is much better than all that. What's waiting on you here is everything you will ever need for life. Everything you will ever need is in the resurrection and the cross of Jesus. And so Joseph's brothers, when they realize, and it's a long narrative, it's a beautiful drama, man. It's unbelievable. And they realize that the, the guy who's giving them food and the guy who keeps playing with them is their brother that they thought was dead. And I love this verse. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. Boy, if you, if you don't feel something with this, you, you just might, you might need to go see your cardiologist. <laughs> your heart might not be working. Man. This is powerful. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph. 
the one you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself. Wow. For selling me here because I was to save lives. It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land. For the next years, there were, for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. You know, I have great appreciation for the psychology of the cross. I, I, I appreciate... Uh, Jordan Peterson is probably more than anybody I've heard in the last few years does such an amazing job of explaining the psychology of the cross and he talks about the cross being the highest point in culture and the 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 you know in uh in the, in the European cities the 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 church is in the center of the city the 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 uh, t- uh, temple, the temple, the, uh, these massive edifices in the center of the city and in the center of the church is a cross. At this highest point is the cross. In, in, the, uh, in colonial times in New England, you could not start a village without putting a church. And there would always be a cross on top of the church. So the center of society, the center of a functioning society is the cross. And the cross has to be at its highest level. Now, that, that is a beautiful thing. And, and, he, and he talks about taking your, taking your burden of life, taking your cross and climbing up the hill. Uh, and uh, he gets this from Carl, Dr. Carl Jung. Carl, Dr. Carl Jung said that the crucifixion was the ultimate hero story. Now, I love all that. I love all that. I, I draw strength from those words and those, that kind of imagery. But you know what? Those guys, as smart as they are, and as helpful as they can be, they're missing the most important message of the cross. And that is the fact it is not primarily, it does not primarily serve as a guide for human accomplishment. It is not primarily a model. It's not primarily an example of how you should live. It is that, but it's not primarily that but it's primary a place of Christ's accomplishment in dealing with the sin issue in the human race. Those guys are missing the most important reality contained in the message of the cross, and that is that humans are redeemed and made sons and daughters of God, of the Most High God, by Jesus Christ becoming the sacrificial lamb through the, and through the resurrection he now sets at the right hand of the Father. And in the, the, in the very words of Scripture, he, we are raised together to set to him with Christ in heavenly places. So really what, what, what those guys need to realize is, yes, the cross is a great example of how we should live and how we should think, but I would like to tell them, gentlemen, something happened at the cross. Something happened. It wasn't just an example for him to live, but a, 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 a great transaction was come. Oh, happy that back, back in the 1700s, Philip Doddridge wrote a song that goes, happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Tis done, the great transactions done. I am the Lord's and he is mine. I'm telling you, that is even more important than what the cross can teach you. More important than what the cross can teach you is what the cross has done for you. Somebody say amen here today. Amen. Hallelujah. I know I I quote Watchman Nee 
so much you're probably sick of it, but that one quote, I love that quote. The Christian life doesn't begin with a big do. It begins with a big done. (laughs) Hallelujah. Finally, the resurrection story calls us to live by faith and not by sight. We used to sing, God, any rivers you think are uncrossable. God, any mountains you can't tunnel through. God specializes in things thought impossible. He'll do what no other power can do. Don't don't you understand that God's intention is that the obedient individual cannot be stopped by mockings, beatings, the cross, lying blasphemers, a corrupt religious system, the Jewish nation, the global Roman Empire, abandonment by supporters, and even friends, or even death. When you believe the resurrection, you become an unstoppable force. The only thing I need to know in my life is, am I in the will of God? I don't need to know what culture's doing. I don't need to know what's popular. I don't need to know the latest trend. I don't need to know if I'm fitting in with the, with the public narrative. All I need to know is, am I in the will of God? Because if I'm in the will of God, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go through the cross, but on the third day, I will rise. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, I don't, I don't obey God out of fear of judgment. I don't know. I don't ever think about that. I don't obey God out of fear of judgment. I obey God out of fear of failure. I don't like to fail. I want to succeed. You? You don't seem uh, that interested in that, but I, <laughs> I think it's pretty, pretty important, right? Finally, I want to say this today. Every lesson you will ever need is in the story of the resurrection. Every emotional tool you'll ever need is in this story. Every basis for truth you will ever need is in this story. Every ultimate solution for every problem you were ever faced is in this story, ultimately. I like the word ultimately, by the way. I looked it up this week, and I found I was shocked. I was shocked. I wasn't prepared for it. It means the best. It means the final, all of that. The root word of the word ultimate is alter. A-L-T-A-R, like an altar you pray at. The cross was the Lord's, the Father God's ultimate altar where everything you needed done for you was transacted. Everything, every point of view, every perspective you will ever need is in this story. All the affirmation and encourage you will need is in this story. But the only way it will ever be your story is if you bow and confess that it's more than just a story. Andre Crouch said it perfectly in that great song entitled, My Tributes, or To God Be the Glory. He ends by singing, it's not just a story, but became real to me. It's not just a legend, but a reality. It's not just a tale of a time long ago, but a plan of salvation that you gave to show. I'm quite confident that there are those in this room who have not I call, I call it cross that line of faith. Cross that line of faith to say, I believe. I believe. I, I'm in. I'm in. I, I want in. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. 
We're not talking about, I'm never going to make a mistake, anything like that. We want to make as few as possible, but you need Jesus because you're going to make mistakes. You need Jesus because you're going to stumble. So our prayer partners are standing here today, and they would love to pray with you. And if you make that decision, in just a moment, I'm going to pray a really short prayer. I want you to slip out and come to the prayer partners and tell them, tell them, I've made my decision. Maybe you're here and you made it a long time ago, but you've wandered away from it. And you need to come and tell them, I, I want to renew my walk with Christ. I want, to, I want to come back in to the family of God. Now, by the way, we believe that the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection releases all of God's goodness to us. It's the key to all of His goodness. So maybe you're here today and you're all set with, you're, you're, a, you're a Christ follower, you love Jesus but you're, you're going through some stuff in your life. You're going through some trials and tribulations. You're going through your own cross. Maybe it's financial, relational, emotional, uh, regardless of what it is. They're here to pray for you for those things as well. So no one needs to know except you and your prayer partner why you're coming down. I'm going to pray a quick prayer, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to move quickly and just decisively. This, this is one decision that you can make quickly, and it, it'll be a good one. So I want you to do that today after I pray. Father, I thank you for the the power of the cross. I thank you for the power of the resurrection. I thank you for the promise of the resurrection. And I thank you that by a simple act of faith, I can be included in all that you are and all that you have. God, move us to receive you in Jesus' name. Come and be prayed for today.